You're listening to The Hour with Resident Advisor. The Hour! This, this, this is this, The this, Hour. This, You're listening this, to this, The Hour. This is The Hour. With Resident Advisor. Hello and welcome to the year-end edition of The Hour. I'm RA's editor, Will Lynch, and I'm sitting here in Berlin with a few of my fellow editors and esteemed dance music critics. We're going with a simpler format this time than we have in previous years, working with just a small selection of Ari's editorial crew, who I'll introduce you to now. Uh, first and foremost, Ari's editor-in-chief, Aaron Coltate. Hi, Will. Next we have Ari contributor, Steph Lee. Hi there. Ari writer and editorial assistant, Sybil Gillespie. Hello. And our editor of event reviews, Carlos Hawthorne. Hi. We've all spent the last week or so pondering the following questions. What's your favorite record of the year? What's something from 2018 you think has been overlooked? And of all the moments you had on the dance floor these past 12 months, which one was the best? So we'll start with number one. Aaron, you chose Ramos, a track by the UK artist Ploy. It came out in June on Time Dance. Pretty rowdy choice for someone as mild-mannered as yourself. Uh, what about Ramos caught your ear? Um, it was actually both Ramos and uh, Roy's Rolls that, that caught my ear. Ploy released a record called Intrigued by the Drum before, and uh, the drum intrigue levels on this particular record were uh, through the roof. Um, I think it was definitely like a high point, I guess, for Ploy, um, in terms of just this like tension and release for both, for both tracks. Um, I think JD Twitch probably described Roy's Rolls best. He was saying if it was Batacata, um, invented in Bristol, which I think more or less sums it up. But um, one of my three DJ gigs of the year was at uh, Giant Steps, which is a, I guess, a listening bar that was set up by the people behind Brilliant Corners. And me and uh, fellow RA scribe Matt McDermott were sort of playing some quite percussive music, some quite out there music, and I was uh, very keen to play Roy's Rolls. And the end of that story is that I chickened out and didn't play it. <laughs> but I think it would have gone quite well with a lot of the other sort of. Um, stuff we were playing that day, Cuban records and uh, Brazilian stuff as well. But it's something about the, the record just sort of rewired my brain. I was listening to it on the way to work for a, a few weeks after it came out. Um, and just as soon as both of those tracks finished, I put them back on straight away. Like I couldn't stop listening to them for a couple of weeks. The thing you said about the quote from JD Twitch, what did he compare it to? Batucada. It's a very percussive style of Brazilian music. He went with one of the biggest records of the year, and certainly one of my favorites, Oil of Every Pearl's Uninsides, the debut album from Sophie. Tell us what you like about it. I think 
personally, I'm always looking for um, new sounds. I know a lot of people might disagree with that because they like to go back and they're really uh, big fans of you know classic vinyl and whatnot. But I'm always looking for sort of the next thing, I guess. Um, and I think Sophie's album definitely is pretty different than anything else uh, that's going or coming out recently. And I also think it does a really good job of combining a lot of different types of genre. Like it's pop, it's electronic, some parts are very ambient, some of it sounds like really industrial, um, experimental. Yeah, I think also this year I listened to a lot of more kind of pop music, whether that's like hip hop top 40s or like really going back into Whitney Houston. Um, and also, I admit, after watching A Star is Born by Lady Gaga, I had like a whole month of just kind of going into Lady Gaga. I will say I don't think her music uh, aged super well, um, but her as sort of a performer, just seeing the way that she would dress and go out in public and all of her shows, like I'm really into this sort of like larger than life type of performance um, where you just kind of like transcend reality because you're such a big personality. And I think Sophie, obviously, like the lead up to her coming out with showing her identity, as you mentioned in your review, um, also like falls into that category. And I also think that the the music, some parts of the album, like I wouldn't really listen to the album to feel comfort. You know, like a lot of my favorite albums do bring that sense of, you know, feeling relaxed and like feeling something is timeless. I don't think Sophie's album is quite like that, but... I think that she achieves some just crazy sort of like highs. Yeah, and like sometimes like immaterial, that track, I feel like a total just silly, giddy mess when I listen to it. And I don't think a lot of other music does that. And I think sometimes people in dance music are almost like ashamed if it does that, it calls that cheap. But I think it really has this level of just fun and happiness that I think music should bring.
Sybil, you chose one of the fiercest LPs of the year, uh, Blawan's Wet Will Always Dry. What did you like about that one? Well, it's actually uh, kind of a opposite reason to Steph's decision for choosing Sophie. What I really liked about Blawan's album is what uh, Ryan pointed out in the review of this record is that in 2018, it's very difficult as a techno artist to remain within that sonic palette and still f- sound distinctive and uh, sound like a, you know, create a unique identity. I think it's significant because it's managed to create something that still feels fresh and new out of a very traditional techno sonic palette. Like you've got discordant chords and aggressive uh, percussion and drums. It's not it's not really doing anything outside of that genre, but it's doing it very well. Uh, I also like that, as he pointed out in his exchange for us, like there's no gimmicks in there, there's no intro or outro or ambient track, which if you're making a techno record, I feel it's good just to be true to that form and there's not really enough records that come out at the moment that are just straight dance records and do it where you know there's no all those tracks are good he didn't include like four sort of three bangers and then like five mediocre tracks like they're all good and they're all different so yeah hats off to him killer albums that I listen to when I want to get pumped up and go out. So this year, either I listened to Blawan's Wet Will Always Dry or Charlie XCX Pop 2, which is produced by Angie Cook and some tracks from Sophie. So yeah, I also agree that was one of my favorite albums of the year. Opposite ends of the spectrum, those two. Carlos, you went for Donato Dazi's Clio. Talk to me. Yes. It came out on uh, Mindless Fullness EP, which is on uh, Marco Shuttle's Eerie label. It was one of only two uh, releases Dozzy put out this year and the other one was um, an album or like an acid album called Philo Loves the Acid and yeah I think Sybil in her review said that um, it's kind of his most functional most direct album or record yet um, and Cleo it's kind of opposite to that it's this just like really beautiful really serene record which um, kind of the most striking thing about it is it has this kind of fast and slow thing going on where um, there's this kind of glistening shimmering synth line over the top which is kind of going quite fast um, like 140, 145, something like that. Meanwhile, the beat underneath is like half that, so it's like 70 or 70. So you have this kind of really like kind of woozy effect, which is um, really powerful. And yeah, like one particular moment where I heard it was um, at Grease Moolah, Ben UFO played it um, when he was playing this party reef, and he uh, mixed it. Uh, so he was playing uh, DJ Sync's 138 track, which is like a you know a classic kind of 140 bassy like big room just a banger um and yeah and he mixed uh, Cleo into that and it was kind of like kind of mixed most of Cleo into it and it just the way he 
just the mix. I mean, typical Ben was just like airtight and just the kind of the way they sat together and the drums and the, the synths was just like, it was really amazing. And what was like really funny about that, I can't remember the sequence of events exactly, but I think well, I happened to, I was at Grease Moon, I was at, on top of the club, there's, well, not on top of the club, but there's a mezzanine <laughs> in the main room where you can go up and kind of watch over the dance floor. And it was, Ben UFO was playing, it was absolutely packed. And I think after that, you know, after that, I went home and I read uh, Angus Finlayson's review of Cleo, of the EP, and he said, it produces a feeling of weightless drift as if we're looking down on the techno dance floor from some serene higher vantage point. And I was like, that's bad. That's like literally the experience I just had. Like, you know, as reviewers, we try and um, come up with these lines or images that kind of, you know, conjure thoughts in the reader's mind and that just like totally landed it was uh yeah powerful to have that experience for me it's right up there with the very best Aussie tracks of which there are you know so many I heard both tracks from that record out quite a bit this year and they were both the kind of tracks that sort of leap out um from a DJ set the mindless fullness track especially sort of brings back uh, nice memories of the Dozzy plays B mask record which I dusted off again this year for a listen Uh, Make Me Know You Sweet, which is an ambient album by the artist also known as Huerco S, her real name, Brian Leeds. It feels kind of funny to choose such a subtle record uh, as one of my top ones for the year, but I kind of based it on one of the more objective measures of how much you like a piece of music, which was just the number of times I listened to it. I guess it kind of says something maybe just about my like day-to-day life with its frequent need for finding a kind of space of calm or you know trying to struggle to focus in a room with dance music blaring in the background but basically the album has this kind of uh not to keep uh big upping angus but um he described it as a buffer zone uh between you and the outside world and i guess in the past few years there's been this kind of discussion of ambient music as therapy um this one kind of strikes me as more having to do with uh, meditation. There is, I remember hearing this analogy about meditation that like the way when you're in a plane, you find that above the clouds, it's always perfect weather up there is sort of like a helpful um, analogy for how in meditation, your mind kind of recedes into this neutral, tranquil place that's always there um, whenever you choose to kind of dip back into it. Yeah, the Pendant album, kind of has that effect for me it's 
uh, although it's less like good weather above the clouds, more kind of like ocean floor murk. But there's something kind of weirdly pleasing about murk. Like if you think about kind of records by Basic Channel or Rhythm and Sounds, which can be quite dreary, but that effect of being sort of hazy and teeming with subtle detail, uh, there's just, it has a very transportive effect that, yeah, I just, I really enjoy. In general, um, I find Huerco S or uh, Pendant Brian Leeds is um, definitely the best artist making ambient music right now. I also saw him play live a couple times this year, uh, which sort of like drove that idea home for me. And uh, he also had one on Boomcat Editions, untitled track that came out earlier this year on that label. Um, that was also among my favorites of the year. Yeah, I was with you when uh, we saw Pendant live at uh, Unsound. And I was wondering how you feel like that music sort of translates into the live space. Did you enjoy it as much when you were sitting around with loads of people as opposed to like a solitary headphone experience? I guess that was sort of what impressed me about it was, um, yeah, I saw him there, which was pretty nice because even though it was, yeah, there were a lot of people around, it was main room of Hotel Forum and we were kind of in the back laying on the carpet, which, yeah, it was a pretty nice way to take it in. The other time was in the ambient tent at Nocte Guital, just sort of like right when the sky was brightening in the morning. And both times I was sort of struck by like the kind of overall, you know, signal coming through the speakers was so understated, but somehow still worked in these situations where like there's plenty of people chatting, um, more or less kind of a party situation overall. But um, both times I was sort of almost surprised by how much something that's kind of subtle and minimalist was still having its intended effect. parts of being a music fan these days is how spoiled for choice we are. No matter how much time you dedicate to finding new music, there's always too much for one person to conceivably take in, which means there's always more to find. Uh, for me, the best part of our year-end ritual with lists and whatnot is um, finding out about things you missed first time around. So let's talk about what we think deserves a closer look. Aaron. If Ploy was a little surprising for me, this one felt totally on brand. Uh, quintessential cool tape material. Uh, it's called Wok Wok Gamin Min by Wok Wok Jungi. I hadn't heard it before last week and I'm very glad it's on my radar now. Uh, what can you tell us about this record? Firstly, I like that there's a, such a thing as quintessential cool tape material. Uh, thank you for that. So this was uh, an archival gem re-released by Australian label Efficient Space this year. Efficient Space is an offshoot of um, Noise in My Head, which is a really well-regarded uh, well radio show that just finished. And that's sort of, yeah, been like a really important outlet for 
getting um, new and archival Australian music out there um, in recent years. Wak Wak Jungi is or was a um, collaboration between three singers, uh, Yonggu songmen from the Northern Territory in Australia, um, who collaborated with a musician from Victoria. Yeah, I think it was just a really interesting example of a cultural conversation between Indigenous um, and white Australia. The track that I found myself returning to um, was called Mother I'm Going, um, sort of a sub 100 BPM slow-mo banger. Um, with really beautiful vocals and yeah actually took Efficient Space three years to track down um, the artist behind this record um, after finding a CDR in a community radio station's archives as well as that record um, sort of wanted to shout out Efficient Space more generally they also put out a really great compilation called 3AM Spares um, which was curated by Andras um, aka Andras Fox and Instant Peterson um, who along with Michael from Noise In My Head have been like, yeah, sort of scouring um, community radio station archives and secondhand shop, you know, record and CD bins for years to find all these really nice Australian gems. And this 3M Spares is kind of like dubby, minimal house from 1990s Australia. I didn't know any of the artists on there, uh, with one exception, this guy called Andy Ranson, um, who was half of a very famous, or famous in Australia at least, duo called Itchy and Scratchy. Um, it was written itch dash capital E and scratch dash capital E in keeping with 90s humour, I guess. And there's a couple of his projects on there, but otherwise it was all completely new to me. Um, and someone who grew up in Australia and hadn't really considered it to be like a country with a rich vein of archival of sort of 90s dance music, um, it's been really illuminating for me. I feel like there's tons of great stuff coming from Australia in these like reissue labels and compilations and whatnot from like many different genres as well. Like, I feel like I'm always hearing cool post-punk reissues and I don't know, it seems like it's, yeah, it has sort of a deceptively rich um, history of... Yeah, well, I, there was a couple of years ago, um, Efficient Space also released uh, the Sky Girl compilation, um, which had a track called Cold Cafe by Karen Marks, which is, um, yeah, like an absolute gem. Australian sort of cold wave track from the 80s. My favourite release uh, of last year was uh, On a Colourful Storm, which is another Australian label. Um, it's called I Won't Have to Think About You. It was a, a compilation of kind of indie tracks from the 80s, I think. All, I think all the bands in there were led by women, female singers, and yeah, just really, really exceptional music like and totally out of left field. Like I just had no idea, just um, someone in the office was had the record on and yeah, I think me and Will both bought a copy instantly. That's a hot label, A Colorful Storm. Classic mix of reissued indie rock and abstract German bass. <laughs> um, that old chestnut.
chose to highlight the New York DJ LSD XOXO. What do you like about him? This year, I also really got into the genre of club music towards the beginning. It, well, towards the beginning of the year, I didn't really know what to call it. It was like experimental club, sort of like booty popping, like house music. I don't really know. But then by the end of the year now, I feel like there's house, techno, and then there's club. There's a hashtag I just saw on Instagram um, from this artist called Question Mark, who's also a New York-based sort of ballroom uh, and Vogue club DJ. Um, and that hashtag was make techno cunty again. Um, and I think that sort of relates to um, LSDXOXO and artists like that um, who are coming out of New York, although LSDXOXO is now based in Berlin. Um, but in January, he put out a mixtape called Body Mods, and that mixtape got picked up by a lot of DJs that I've been following, um, like Bambi from Toronto and Tigerpaw from New York. And I think it just sort of epitomizes this new kind of like more hip hop ballroom booty bass inspired version of uh, house and techno or club music that's coming out. And um, yeah, I think this sort of uh, community of producers who are doing a lot of self-releases um, and doing a lot of edits are something to be looked at in the next year. Chosen a DJ called Falzia. What can you tell me about her? Well, it's actually interesting that Steph chose LSD XOXO because I feel like uh, Falzia operates in kind of a similar musical sphere. Uh, I don't really think she's been that overlooked this year as it feels like it's been a bit of a breakthrough year for her in London. She's got an NTS show and she feels like one of those artists who kind of popped out of nowhere with this fully formed NTS show and gathered quite a big following quite quickly, maybe a bit like Elena Columbi, though in quite a different musical sphere. Um, she just, she started off on this, on her NTS show, which I've just been following from the beginning, uh, playing mainly just footwork. It used to be called Forzia's Footwork Friendly, and now it's just called Forzia. Um, but now she sort of has mixed that up and she plays footwork, jungle, dubstep, bass music, breakbeat, club tracks, edits. I guess you'd call it club, mainly because there's not really another word for that kind of everything goes style, but I feel like that's like a style that's been kind of popularized mainly in New York and America by artists like LSD XOXO, and it's quite exciting to see young artists like Forzia coming through, putting a more like UK slant sonically on that style. Uh, and yeah, I just think she's someone that more people should know about, check out her NTS show, follow her in 2019 she's definitely going to be a name to watch carlos you've chosen a really nice album i also spent a lot of time with this year it's 
Mark Renner's Few Traces. Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned before, kind of a lot of the records I've really loved in the last couple of years have kind of been on the fringes of RA land, I guess you'd say, just electronic music records. Um, and yeah, this was one of them. I discovered it just by chance. I came across the news piece on RA and we didn't review it. And yeah, just from the description in the news piece, I thought I'd check it out. Yes, really beautiful record. Mark Renner was a musician working in America, in Baltimore. Um, he grew up in Maryland, in like rural Maryland, but he kind of, I guess, cut his teeth in Baltimore in the kind of post-punk scene there. And uh, yeah, he's been making music since the early 80s. The release is called Few Traces. It's a compilation, so it gathers uh, music from his two albums and then some kind of unreleased bits and some kind of soundtrack stuff because he's also a painter and makes other forms of art and he'd um he'd kind of make the music to soundtrack these exhibitions and people would um, listen on walkmans or he'd play it out in the open space and you know while people took in the art they would uh, listen along but yeah it was discovered by matt worth who runs uh, revenge international he discovered it um at a flea market just came across it digging i guess and was very struck by it so it's nice you know it is a reissue of sorts but it's not kind of just reissuing the album directly it's a compilation that takes bits and pieces from his work um a lot of unreleased stuff that people won't have heard before but yeah the album's just it's just really beautiful it's kind of like a kind of indie diy synth pop i think he made his music just with a electric guitar um casio synthesizer and a kind of four track recorder some ambient on there there's some kind of yeah instrumental tracks um but just really beautiful melodies and really distinct sounding um definitely some hits on there like i think the thing about him is he was overlooked at the time um and uh, he was inspired by kind of uh, UK bands like Joy Division, The Skids, Ultra Rocks, things like that. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, his album just never made it into the right hands. Um, and I guess that's happened again this year a little bit. You know, I haven't, um, I don't get the sense that it's a big album. I don't, you know, it wasn't reviewed on RA, etc. But yeah, fans of the Cocteau Twins, Yellow Magic Orchestra, um, or bands like Interpol, The Cure, you can hear all that in his music. Aaron, I know you're a big Revenge fan. Did you check this one out? Yeah, I, uh, I love this one. Um, I think the first half of the album's compilation or whatever, um, especially, is really, really strong. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think um, like some of the vocal songs, Saints and Sage and Sages, for example, like kind of predates John Mouse or something like that. There's right. this like electronic post-punk folky songwriter thing happening. Um, and the short like ambient pieces are just beautiful as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been a revenge fanboy for a few years now and each year they just keep managing to dig out these really fascinating interesting artists like this time last year i would be thinking they wouldn't be able to top the pauline anastrom um archival release but yeah this one is um especially nice and then you consider what else they've put out this year they put out lucretia doll album kate nv she's a really interesting artist um and there's a couple others of course that i'm forgetting right now but yeah, another great year for revenge. Yeah, I should add that there's a really nice five-minute documentary that um, a filmmaker made about Mark Renner, and um, it just kind of captures his vibe and his music and goes to a few of the spots he used to kind of hang out in, so it's worth checking out.
I also went for something that I wouldn't say was completely overlooked because I heard it out a lot, but I'm not sure how aware people were of the actual record. Um, or actually, it's more the whole label, which is um, Dr. Banana. Uh, it's a UK clothing brand, actually, that puts out the occasional uh, 12-inch, um, usually UKG and two-step, uh, often with kind of contemporary producers like uh, they've had Sully and Etch and whatnot, um, as well as sort of reissued um, yeah, UKG and two-step uh, bangers. Surely the biggest record yet was this 10-inch from earlier this year where the A-side was DJ Deller, Romantic Call, uh, this garage track that's kind of like, well, it's not a mashup, it basically takes a sample from JD's Plastic Dreams with an acapella from the 1993 dancehall track uh, Romantic Call by Patra. Pretty irresistible, poppy, funky UKG track with a really big vocal hook. Uh, never seen it not go off whenever it gets played. The latest Dr. Banana is also really good. has old stuff from Ghost as well as uh, the best ones are actually the new tracks by some producers I've never heard of, but um, it's already sold out if I'm not mistaken. Um, all these records sell it pretty fast. I'd advise keeping an eye on Dr. Banana's social accounts to catch their pre-sales if it's your thing. I uh, consulted RA's resident um, UK garage expert Stephen Timmis about Dr. Banana and he said um, decent gums and decent bangers so I think that's you know fairly decent uh, support there. Yeah also the thing I like about it is um, it's not like very throwbacky. like even the old tracks that they pick sound pretty smooth and contemporary um, they have kind of like a lush deep vibe that feels more 2018 than 90s I would say. Well I was just going to say like I feel like UK Garage has been really big for you this year just from what you've been playing in the office and a couple of sets I've caught of yours. Yeah um, yeah it's funny I guess I would say I owe it to um, Garage Vibes 98 <laughs> the YouTube channel um, which uh, yeah I don't know I've liked that music for years now but something about this one YouTube channel kind of pushed me over the edge. I definitely recommend checking it out if you haven't heard it before. Garage 598. I'm on a possible choices you went for a Wednesday night uh, event it was Hyperdubs monthly party uh, tell us about it well yeah those who know me will um, probably be a bit surprised that I was out on a school night uh, dancing but yeah I think the um, Hyperdub monthly party at Corsica Studios in London absolutely deserves a shout out I only went three or four and was kind of furious that I didn't go every single month because I think it's definitely the most interesting 
sort of midweek London dance music thing happening. Probably the most special moment I had was when Terza had her album launch um, for Devotion. She played live with Mikalevi and Kobe Say um, in room two at Corsica. Those who have been to the club will know there's a big uh, speaker stack along the back wall in room two. I think whenever uh, they open up each of these parties, uh, Code 9 or someone just steps on the button for the smoke machine in room two and continues stepping on it all night. So you can't really see more than a foot in front of you which really added to the atmosphere with, with Terza's music. I guess it's a pop slash R&B record, but hearing it at Corsica really reminded me how closely connected it is to UK club music, basically. And that was really just one half of the event. Like in room one, every month at uh, Hyperdubs parties, they do uh, some kind of art installation. And on this particular month, uh, it was an artist called Venus Ex Machina. Um, she was formerly a Golden Teacher. And you kind of walk through uh, a big curtain in room one and she was sitting at a desk with a typewriter and an old lamp and an old radio microphone, solemnly reading out some coordinates for where police had uh, conducted stop and searches for young black people in London in, in uh, recent times. And it was a really affecting um, installation and really well executed. And just to be able to go to like a nightclub in South London on a Wednesday night and hear like an amazing artist performing uh, live in room two and then a really interesting installation in room one is something that I don't really think many other promoters are reaching that kind of level on a regular basis. Steph, you've gone for Violet at Panorama Bar, which I also heard people buzzing about. Uh, what made it so good? Seeing Violet at Panorama Bar was a totally wild set, but I will say like one of the reasons why it was um, one of the best dance floor moments for me is sort of more based on the context like, I've been living in Berlin for almost four years now. I've been to Berkheim and Panorama Bar a lot. <laughs> um, and I will say that maybe in this past year, I've been really yearning for more different types of music, which I think I've expressed in my favorite album and uh, my slept on recommendation. Um, and so when I saw Violet in Panorama Bar, like Violet also, um, she's a Portuguese artist. She helps run a party, a queer party in Lisbon called Mina. And she also runs a label called Naive. And actually before I had gone into Panorama Bar this afternoon, I didn't really know who she was. I had heard of her through these, uh, her party and her label, but I actually hadn't gone and checked out her music. And then I was very surprised to see how hard she basically um, heated up the dance floor uh, playing closer to the types of things that I would hear from like LSDXOXO or other types of uh, club DJs. But what really like got me going was she had played like a ha track, like a, like a ballroom track in Panorama Bar, which I'm sure other artists have done when I wasn't there. But in that moment, uh, I sort of just like screamed and started jumping up and down. And I thought like the revolution is about to begin. Like to see this type of music being played in Panorama Bar, just means a lot to me, I guess, because it shows, you know, maybe booking policies are going to change. Uh, maybe what, what people define as house music is going to change. And maybe we'll see more queer or female artists being booked in these huge sort of institutionalized clubs. Um, of course, like I just went to Room for Resistance uh, this past Saturday and um, uh, Dina Abawahed was playing and also Ariel Zatina. And those are two artists similar to Violet. And of course, there's places to hear this type of music, but it's not as common, and so to, I think to hear it in a place as big as Panorama Bar um, just made it really memorable for me. 
Sybil, you're definitely not alone in your pick. I've heard so much about it, I almost forget I wasn't there. Or I'm just in so jealous I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> Ricardo Villalobos at Houghton, what do you got? Yeah, well, that, that could be only one answer to this question for me. Uh, this was probably one of the best sets I've ever seen. Probably was the best set I've, I've ever seen. I mean, it was, I won't lie, it was the only reason I, I went to Houghton. Like, you know, I bought a ticket mainly just to see Ricardo Villalobos play in the woods. Because otherwise the only place I get to see him play is at Fabric. And like, that's, that's good, but it's not, it's not in the woods. <laughs> um, so yeah, he was playing from, I think it was 4am till 9am on Saturday night. So it was sort of the centre point of the whole festival. Uh, and started the set off with like maybe like an hour or two hours of like extremely subtle trippy like squelchy weird minimal music which I could tell a lot of people weren't into like I was sort of that, that there was a lot of people just standing there not really dancing and I I don't know maybe, maybe they didn't know what to expect but I think they were expecting like something a bit more banging and then he's just sort of like just playing with people. I think that's what I really like about Ricardo. I don't really like minimal music that much. I'll, I'll be open about it. But what I like about Ricardo is the way he's using these these sounds as a tool to sort of psychologically push and pull people. And that was just the beginning of the set that sort of, you know, he kept just trying to play with people and like slowly blow your mind. Uh, so it was sort of two hours of like this extremely strange minimal music. And then the sun starts coming up behind him and it's like, it's a very gray day. So it's not like an obvious sunrise, but it's just slowly getting slightly lighter. And I feel like musically it started getting slowly lighter. And then he plays DJ Kotz's uh, pickup, which is not a track that I expected to hear him play. I don't think anyone expected to hear him play but it's suddenly light and everyone, you know, who'd stayed through this like two hours minimal is sort of bonded together by this strange experience then is suddenly like, you know, uh, joyously happy, smiling, listening to this kind of otherwise quite basic house track. I feel like this kind of underlies like Ricardo's whole, you know, it's all about context, everything that he plays. It's, it's like any track works, it's just the context in which he plays it. This, this happened later in the set where he then teased in floor plans never grow old uh, for about half an hour looped over with strange minimal loops and like vocal edits and all sorts you know so everyone knows it's coming but it's t you know it's half half an hour of it coming so when it does finally come everyone's just so relieved that it's finally brought it in uh, he also at one point played um, noises of steam trains or other trains rolling past and the way they'd set up the 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 stage it was in the woods and there were like speaker stacks on all the sides so you just couldn't even set, tell where the sound was coming from it sounded like this this insane noise which eventually everyone realized was was trains uh rolling past and yeah he ended the set with bass queen overlaid with some strange little voice or vocal edit he always has these like, little little voices um, but yeah, it was one of those sets where it felt like every single moment I was just like looking at my friend like, what? What's he doing now? Uh, so I couldn't choose one moment from that set. But overall, as an experience, I can, I can struggle to think of a DJ who understands more how to mess with people and like really make you leave a set just feeling like, wow, I don't even know what, what just happened. Yeah, as a Villalobos fan, I think I, was, I wasn't at Houghton, but I was happy and relieved to hear about this set that he still has it in him to to really pull out the bag and, and wow, um, because so many of the reports and you know the few sets I've seen in recent years, like he, he has a tendency to phone it in and yeah, he can just go one of two ways. So it's really nice to know that he's still got it in him to, to really pull it out of the bag. Yeah, I mean, my kind of theory on 
that side of Ricardo is kind of like with the context thing that I sort of feel like how well he plays is a direct reflection of how much he's enjoying himself personally in that moment and um, which like fabric and Houghton like that sort of his family like he's got tons of friends around him like he's having a really nice night himself um, whereas yeah it's kind of more high pressure gigs um, big festival stages things like that I think my favorite track by Ricardo is true to myself I always thought that was like a striking title coming from him because there's you can't really think of anyone that lives up to that idea more and I sort of think like if he's not fully feeling a gig he seems incapable of making it sound as if he is the same thing the best time I've ever seen him is at Club de Visionaire in kind of same situation like his friend's club playing with his friends um, in the DJ booth um, just like a place he knows um, inside and out uh, just like when he's in his you know comfort zone he really you see this sort of um, you see the side of him that made him this soaring cult figure uh, Carlos you've gone for something quite demented um, I only saw the tail end of it from a distant hillside and while I'm sure it was great down you know in the action at the time I was quite shaken <laughs> um, so yeah tell us about it I've gone for Techno Safari which took place at this year's um, Nacht Digital Festival for those who've been to Nacht Digital they'll know that it's in many ways musically a very serious festival excellent techno house drone um, kind of dedicated ambient tent but it also has a very silly side and uh, every Saturday I think they kind of get in a crew from Leipzig. I don't really understand what their vibe is. They seem to just all be mates and kind of event organisers, but they throw this kind of um, extremely silly, extremely cheesy, extremely fun event. Like, it's kind of different theme. The first year was like an Ibiza 18 to 30s thing and had like speed dating and um, on the beach. And the second year, I couldn't even get into the tent because it was so full. That was, um, sorry, if I remember correctly, that was called speed dating emphasis on speed. <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, and then uh, this year it was Techno Safari. And like, I go, I've uh, been last three years with um, a group of friends who, you know, they like dance music, but they're not heads, so to speak. Um, and they love this Saturday event. They like, we kind of chanced upon it in the first year and it just totally made everyone's weekend. So yeah, this year it was reports of Techno Safari. It's like outside the village, what's gonna happen? It's like, a, there was all these rumors going around and kind of expectations were a little low. Um, anyway, of course we were going to go, so we went there and it's like gathered in the car park. Um, there's a bus, look, looks like a zebra, there's all sorts of animal paraphernalia hanging off the bus. Um, there's a guy, a park ranger in khakis on a Segway, just rolling around. I think he fell off and injured himself at one point. And then there's a tractor uh, that's going to pull the bus, so that sets off. And then everyone, there's kind of 100 or so, 200 people, I can't really tell, um, just following the, the bus like a kind of like a procession, like some kind of Pied Piper madness um, and this just goes through the nearby town village like village at most um, called Olganitz and as it goes through the town it's blasting you know DJs from the back there's like a setup on the roof of the bus um, they're playing kind of house bangers and I remember they played the streets that was great and then we were kind of yeah just parading through the through the town and all the residents were like on their porches filming us handing out uh, selling beers uh, kind of carver sect as it's called um and just really getting into the spirit of things and like the vibe was insane it was blazing hot all weekend and at some point we kind of just did like a little tiny loop and then it kind of came back down towards the car park at which point this dj who like he just appears every year he's just like the main guy seemingly he's called dj nami bisa um and he just started firing through the kind of edm hits like Avicii, Swedish House Mafia, uh, Pridas, Pianu, 
um, which was a personal favourite. And um, yeah, it was just like, it was, you know, I'm not a big EDM fan, but it was just like pure euphoria, like in these cornfields uh, with all your mates, like just just drunk. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just so much fun. And I've kind of, I, um, I spent a lot of years in Ibiza and I kind of always regretted never getting the EDM experience, especially actually when I, Avicii died, I was like, you know, I had the, I kind of, I looked down on it once from a, uh, a rooftop um, bar, but I um, never actually went to one of these EDM parties. I just kind of, the thought of it on my night off was, you know, too harrowing to think of, but um, I'd always wanted to. And this kind of, I've always thought of those parties like, okay, say what you want about the music, but people there seem to be having so much fun. Like they really do seem to be having the best time. And this was a kind of taste of that. It was like, um, just pure euphoria, like just, yeah. And then uh, Yob Yobsy closed it off when we got back to the car park and he was just, you know, firing off through Tiesto, um, ATBs, 9pm till I come. Um, you know, meanwhile, Stefan Benneman, who uh, books the festival and is, you know, one of the, one of the guys involved, um, he's dancing on the kind of back of a pickup truck. And yeah, and then at 6pm or something, it all, fin all finishes, we all kind of stumble back into the site. Burnt Friedman is kind of just started on the main stage. And then we all just kind of enjoyed our Saturday night. But it was just that um, real unpretentiousness about the festival. Like so many festivals are so concerned with their bookings and their image and you know, they'd never let any kind of a hair out of place in terms of the music they place. Whereas Nachtigal's Hall is just pure, unadulterated fun. It's like so much respect. It's also, um, that shows kind of how it's such a community event. Um, like that festival is really deeply tied to that surrounding community and you could tell by the fact that many people would find that techno safari quite obnoxious <laughs> it was insanely loud this bizarre mad max kind of atmosphere um but the fact people coming out and like yeah passing out road caption and everything tells you a lot about the nature of that festival yeah Like Steph, I've also gone for something that had me um, jumping up and down. Uh, it was at our uh, RA's 24-7 party in Tbilisi at Basiani, uh, namely the very final bit, like I guess literally like the final few minutes of the entire party. Um, I guess the context of it was a, uh, well, yeah, it was a 24-hour party and these are the final two hours and everyone was feeling pretty you know, worse for wear. It was 40 degrees uh, in Tbilisi and we'd been out on the terrace dancing to Nicholas Lutz for a while. And then I was inside sitting down with the guys who organize RA's events, uh, Ryan and Hugh. And we all kind of resolved like, there's no way we're going to dance again tonight. Like we're just completely spent. Um, but we were obviously going to stay. Um, anyway, then we went down into Bastiani's main room where it was just uh, three of the club's residents uh, finishing up. Um, yeah, the DJs are called Concelli, Zitto, and NDRX. And um, yeah, I guess it was just one of those moments where kind of to our surprise, it was exactly what the doctor ordered. It was really nice and cool down there. It wasn't that crowded. Uh, the music they were playing was like kind of sleek, spacey, uh, dreamy techno. Like it was properly techno, but it was also kind of uh, soothing and nice in a way. Um and to, you know, just the basic effect of having residents play their own club, they just knew how to kind of take advantage of that room in a way that none of the other DJs that night really had. Um, but the best bit was basically the very, very end. Uh, so after hours of this kind of uh, uh, understated, uh, lush techno, 
one of them played this track that's um it's called O oh Superman Disco Spacer Mix by Marcelo Giordani, which is basically a mashup of uh, Charlie Spacer Woman, the Italo classic, and Laurie Anderson's O oh Superman. Um, they had a much stronger kind of pop element than anything else, you know, like just really didn't see this coming. And it's kind of like a haunting, bittersweet, um, you know, kind of like sad and beautiful, almost something kind of eerie about it sort of track. Um, it was just like a big kind of shift in tone that really suited uh, the collective feeling of the dance floor, I guess. And that was kind of like a, you know, uh, when you get kind of like verklempt on a dance floor, like sort of like tears in your eyes a little bit. Um, and then one of them kind of abruptly spun that out and played this like 160 BPM drum and bass track that I later learned was um, like a fairly recent one by Fracture uh, called Take You. But it was just like, you know, this, the, uh, oh, Superman had kind of like reeled everybody in. We're all kind of having this like uh, sort of sentimental moment. And then just sort of, you know, hard left turn into this like crazy over the top, um, honestly kind of tacky, but like, you know, in a good way, or especially right then. Um, yeah, it's like euphoric rave track. Um, and yeah, it was just one of these moments where it was like, everyone was kind of like, like it was almost like a mosh pit on the dance floor, just like there was plenty of room to move around. Everyone was just kind of like going bananas. Um, I, f I have this memory, which maybe I've embellished slightly as I've you know reflected on this, but of me, Ryan and Hugh kind of like with our arms around each other, just like pogoing. Um, and then like the party ended, we all, you know, uh, sauntered out. And um, for so long, we just like couldn't stop talking about it. And I guess, you know, as you, um, as you get older and you start, uh, you know, you're really racking up your overall number of like club experiences, those kind of like really crazy, like over the top moments that are kind of seared into your memory um, and that, you know, you reflect on many times uh, later, those kind of become fewer and further between, uh, but they still happen. Um, it's always kind of like, uh, yeah, it's always good when you have that experience, it's good to know, like you, you can still sometimes have that sort of almost childlike relationship with this thing, even as you become kind of a grumbly old nerd. <laughs> I think there's something um, really special about um, a DJ set that comes at the end of like a long party or at the end of a festival. When you were talking about that, it kind of reminded me of um, Powder on the final night of Unsound this year. And as you were saying, you know, when someone sort of captures the collective mood of a dance floor, I think Powder absolutely did that. Like everyone was fairly tired after sort of four or five well even a week actually of of unsound um going on and these like her sort of dreamy techno selections just had a i don't know it's pretty ecstatic way to finish the festival and that was the same exact vibe where it wasn't just that she nailed the mood it was that like that mood was one of kind of like vulnerability like you're like the crowd needed to be sort of taken care of by the dj you know um, which, yeah, uh, it's nice when you're kind of like, you're standing there kind of uh, almost like asleep on your feet, and then, uh, you know, the DJ sort of like suits that mood. It's just, yeah, no, it's a relief. Okay, that wraps up our 2018 in review. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts, everybody, and thanks for listening. Hold me now
Oh, 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 oh,